0: Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025 select styles only.
1: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Friday. It's February 22nd. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. We're full all the way back from the All Star break now with a full Friday of hoops action to break down. Coming off a night where does last night solidify the why doesn't why hasn't Boban gotten full minutes from another NBA team in all these years later? Like, does that does one game prove this point to you? I mean, I know, I guess they barely beat the Heat, but looking at Boban playing 27 minutes last night, does that make you wonder? Why it hasn't happened more? Like, do you think Does it keep going forward? Is this like a one-time thing? And they realize, oh, this guy can't run enough to actually do this every single night. But like, this has never happened for the guy. And then all of a sudden he just goes out and just completely dominates. What do you, give me quick thoughts on Boban, then we'll talk about today's slate.
2: Quick Boban thoughts are, this is a guy who, for over his career, multiple different stops, in just nine minutes a game, Puts up six and four on fifty eight percent shooting, and is a good free throw shooter as well. Mm-hmm. I just have trouble believing he can't give somebody somewhere a good twenty minutes a game. Like it's obviously like probably not a physical problem. Like that's that's always been my assumption is he's just like too big and like just can't run up and down the court for that long or it hurts too much because on a performance level, you'd have to be some you'd have to be so bad at defense
1: that. You wouldn't want this level of production. And I just don't see Bob on that way. So he was hitting yeah, like was running thinking. one-handers in the lane, like from <laughs> from ten feet out. Like it was like he was just, and also on defense too. As much as you want to say, I, look, I'm not, I'm still I'm, I've, I think I've gotten better about this over time and seeing sure. defense. Anyone that claims that they see defense um i'm always, i'm very skeptical of that because that's it's a, it's very very difficult to see even when you're trying to do it and um that's why i'm what do you
2: mean by seeing defense like seeing what's going on who's actually messing up like exactly stuff?
1: yeah 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 okay. uh, short of your guy getting scoring on you like, I think that right. the average fan has, is going to be very hard pressed to see what's happening on every defensive possession with all the moving parts. Like, this is one thing I've been working very hard over the last couple, of, maybe it's harder for me, I don't know. But like, I've been working very hard over the last couple of years to specifically watch this, to try to train myself to get better, like watching guys off the ball and stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I would profess to not still, still be, it's a work in progress, right? And I saw multiple possessions last night where just Boban's size alone stopped things from happening, where like um justice winslow is taking the ball to the hoop and he's like whoop 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 because he just sees that this guy the seven foot six guy with the 10 that reaches his hands up to 10 feet is just standing there and all of a sudden you can't do the thing you were planning on doing right so like that that i feel like alone has to account for whatever one-on-one defense he might struggle with right so like i i, I don't know think I, so. yeah. I i you you would think so right i i'm be happy to be proven wrong on that but uh yeah man drops of the 19 and 12 in, in place of Embiid actually look pretty good anyway. I did the Bobon thing when he if he's going to go out there and play twenty five minutes a game, the guy's going to be like an eight thousand dollar player in like two two and a half games or something like that. It's so great. We'll see what mm-hmm. we'll see where his price lands over the weekend. All right, we're going to break down a Friday night slate of ten games here. Uh, some games more interesting than others. There is some injury news hanging out there. Some things we already know. Some teams that are going to be just difficult to predict going forward. We'll go game by game and sort of discuss where we land with all these teams. Seven o'clock, Washington goes in and plays the Hornets. Hornets, five point home favorites. They are fighting for a playoff spot. You know, I'm taking, forgetting now how close Washington is to the playoffs. I don't think they're in right now, but I'm just going to double check while I talk. Uh, But nevertheless, Hornets are favorites. Yeah, Wizards, eh, they're actually only two games out of the playoffs, so it's unclear where they want to land. Saddoransky is going to come back for this game. He missed two games, and they didn't really do anything with those point guard minutes. Any thoughts on this game? Washington's a good matchup. Um, Kemba seems expensive. I considered writing up Jeremy Lamb too because they have concentrated some more minutes around the starters of late. Uh, What do you see as DFS implications here? We can talk about Bradley Beal I think a little bit too.
2: Yeah you know my eye was going to Beal a little bit. Uh, He's a guy who's kind of flirting in and out of I think it was DraftKings. I can't remember off the top of my head now but um, yeah I think I like Lamb. I think shooting guard tonight is pretty weak. I think Lamb is a guy who really has settled into a role in Charlotte. Uh, You know he's playing roughly like in, in when it stays close, he's playing those mid thirties to high thirties minutes. The thing about Charlotte is that they've played so many odd game scripts recently that it's really yeah. tough to know, you know, how much because one of the pieces of nuance that we have figured out over the course of many years of doing this is that not like bad game scripts will affect different teams differently, right? So, right. you know, there are teams like who's a good example of this off the top of my head. Uh, Like the Suns, you know, (laughs) when the the Suns were going pretty bad there for a while, it didn't matter. Like Devin Booker was still playing 37 minutes a game. Charlotte doesn't seem to operate exactly that way. And in fact, there are some pretty scary games on on Lamb's game log in particular. Uh, Like in early February, you know, a six-point loss to Dallas, a two-point loss to the Clippers, where he did play fewer than 30 minutes a game. So I don't know. I think anytime you're going to employ these guys, you probably want to do so cautiously. I think on a bigger slate... I just soon not play Lamb, but he is definitely like he's the one guy kind of bubbling up from this game that's really making a credible crack at our our cash games. I guess if you x him out though, you start getting Bradley Beal, so maybe maybe you get him the other way too. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my general take. I don't really love Charlotte in general, um, but Lamb is the guy that if I was playing a uh, Hornet, I probably would go with him.
1: Yeah, look, look. I have him at thirty five minutes right now. It's probably high if you look at the season as a whole. It's those thirty six and thirty eight point minute games that kind of throw you off in the short term. Um, they got just completely trashed the, the last game before the All Star break where he played eighteen minutes. So that's not a good one to to look at. And Lamb is the like you said, Xing him out. That's really just the difference of giving him thirty five or thirty three minutes. Like it's not gonna, it's not going to take any more than that two minute that two minute downgrade to really make him sort of not relevant. I think I'd probably rather play Beal here. He, he's another one. He's playing tons of minutes, and they brought in Jabari Parker, and they brought in Bobby Portis, and those guys can ball hog with the best of them. So you've seen, like, in 44 minutes, Beal only took 15 shots. That's a little concerning to me, like, in that game against Toronto, 19 shots against Detroit. Having Portis and Parker around, it doesn't—well, I mean, it probably helps them, it helps them as a team score, um, but it doesn't help guys like Beal who need to score to hit fantasy value, although the assist numbers have come up a little bit. How much does— how much you like want to bank on the assist numbers, like double-digit assists in four consecutive mm-hmm. games? No Saturansky, like I said, in three of those games, but uh, when he is coming back. But then, like a definite decrease in shots per minute. Um, and I and I and I want to attribute that specifically to Portis and Parker. Where do you land on like where where we want to project Beale going forward with this new look team?
2: Yeah, I would rather not take a stab on Beal, just to be honest. You know, he was paying these prices pretty consistently there with Sadoransky out of the lineup. Like you mentioned, a lot of that was assist-based. It's like you're looking at my notes here, Doug. My notes are <laughs> in my brain now, so you can't really look at those. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, shooting guard is thin, like I mentioned with Lamb. And I don't... Like, investing $9,400 in a guy like Bradley Beal, who, like, when things were going well and it was the perfect situation... And He was like kind of getting there, but it wasn't anything exciting. Just doesn't seem to me to like I would really rather not settle there, uh, at this early in the day, anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just a matter of the most minutes to 44 and 41 over the last couple games. He is one of those very few players that you can in the NBA that you can start to crest up toward 38 39 minutes as a, as a baseline projection. That's really sure. almost, unheard, almost unheard of from outside of like at times, like Harden, LeBron. I'm trying. I'm struggling to think who even you can even put up in that group. Like he is one of those guys that you can start considering it with. And I always get a little bit if if, if a guy is just just bumping into lineups at that kind of like peak minutes, then I, that does concern me probably in the same way that does you. And then the rest of these guys, I'm just not the rest of the Washington guys. I'm not all that interested in other seven sure. o'clock game: San Antonio and Toronto. Uh, Demar DeRozan, I believe this is his first game back in Toronto. I think they only play twice a year, and so um, be interesting to see. I mean, they have to. They have to, you know, receive him warbling. You would think, but um, Toronto seven point home favorites. Kawhi is coming back into the lineup tonight after an All Star break. He sat out the last game before the All Star break, and I, I I guess I want to just sum this game up as when all these teams are when both these teams, the Spurs and Raptors, are healthy. I just, from DFS perspective, I'm just not really all that interested, even in great matches. Is that like a good way to, I, this, is a, this is a large slate and we just spent a lot of time in the game before. Is that a good way to just maybe sum this game up from a high level DFS perspective?
2: Probably. I think if there is a guy you could consider, it might be DeRozan. I think he actually is a little bit underpriced relative to a current opportunity. And like what I would project as where he'll go going forward. Like he's averaged paying value on this price and he's probably playing more minutes now than he had been earlier in the season in some cases. And that being said, it's about as bad a matchup as you can possibly imagine going up against Toronto. So I actually think in a league neutral or better matchup, I would think about DeRozan tonight. I'm not going to run him into this meat grinder of Kawhi with probably something to prove. So, uh, no, I don't think I'm going to play anyone from this game as of now.
1: Yeah, you kind of just think like, for guys like De- for me, usually for DeRozan, Aldridge, Kawhi, Lowry, Siakam, Baka just, I mean, Ibaka actually might not start. So that's uh, one thing to keep an yeah. eye on. I-, I don't think it's going to really matter one way or the other. I know they have not trying to decide if they're going to move Gasol into the starting lineup or not. Right. I-, I That's not going to end up, I don't think for me, moving the needle one way or the other because I don't think either of those guys will see just crazy minutes. Yeah, I think all those guys just to a man. You just need you need one of, you need someone from one of these teams to sit out to start redistributing yeah, that's, redistributing that's the usage. Thing. until that happens, I'm just not. And that's and by the way, that's even with like Fred VanVleet out. Like the, Jeremy Lin is just kind is kind of come in and just take those extra point guard minutes. Um, so they just had a, sort of a one to one guy who's going to take some of those. And, and that guy is a usage guy anyway too. All right, Chicago goes in and plays Orlando. Orlando eight point favorites. Chicago's going to get Chris Dunn back. Um, you know, the Orlando, <laughs> if Orlando's an 8-point favorite over you, I mean, Chicago wants to lose, so whatever. But um this team being, they shouldn't be 8-point favorites over anybody. I get that they've been good at times. I, I, I'm not going to attribute blowout risk to the Magic at this point, but I guess it's sort of on the table. What are you seeing that you might like here from a DFS perspective?
2: Well, so I think this is a game where you might wind up running some guys from this game. Like, so Chicago... Given how often they're involved in blowouts going the other way, I think you can get some value on guys. Like, particularly Zach Levine, I think, is a Mm -hmm. guy that, again, if shooting guard's going to be thin and you got to go somewhere, Levine in these close games has been really locked into 35-plus minutes a game. And in most games, aside from, like, the really terrible matchups like Memphis, you know, (laughs) uh, he's been paying 5x points per dollar. So I actually think Levine brings a unique combination of ceiling and floor to this position tonight orlando being a pretty solid matchup for him and like i mentioned there's so much less blowout risk here than you normally have to face with the Bulls. so i actually think levine for me right now is one of those leaders in the clubhouse in terms of guys who could come out as a part of our optimal cash game lineups
1: yeah i'm at 36 minutes right now um he's been taking 16 shots a game that that memphis game did take it down a little bit uh he only took 10 in that one he did the assist numbers have been better than normal for him. This guy is not, you know, for a long time, he really didn't tally any assists because he didn't pass the ball. Like that, He's just not part of his game. Passing was not really part of the thing that he wanted to do once the ball got into his hands. So I am encouraged 7-7, 6-5, 7 over the last five games in terms of assists does strike me as a subtle shift possibly in how he's playing. Whether it's sustainable or not, I'm not really sure. Whether it's like, getting rid of Bobby Porter and Jabari Parker and putting Otto Porter in there and just getting better looks like I'm not exactly sure what has shifted if anything or this is just a sort of a run good situation but do you want to is that does that make it so you want to change anything with this baseline projection we talk about this every once in a while if something new starts to happen and there has been a team shift does this strike you as that kind of situation maybe like five percent more assist ten percent more assist going forward or is it kind of do you think it's just a blip
2: uh, I think you could probably give him a gentle bump up. I think the Bulls, you know, again, given to they're really seeking answers, and there are some new personnel pieces around him. And it's it's been pretty steady, right? I mean, if you go prior to February 6th, he hadn't topped, let's see... That's the trade mm-hmm. deadline, by the way. Like that no, is, I'm
1: I'm pretty sure that's or that maybe the game before the, the day before the trade deadline. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Sorry.
2: So in terms of you know when you're looking at things statistically, like this is a thing Nate Silver always used to do. Like when Lin Sanity happened, I remember he went through this oh, yeah. and he's like, "This could be a statistical aberration, except you just have to accept that like a consistent run of really above average performance is exceedingly unlikely when you look back at it." And in the case of Levine, so three games with more than six assists in his last five Uh, prior to that he had one game with more than six assists and let me see maybe all season I don't know at least as far as the FanDuel game log goes back which is uh, December 23rd so yeah I think that you can very comfortably say and it might not wind up being correct but it sure looks like there's a fundamental change that probably calls for a, a gentle bump up in what we can expect from him going forward.
1: All right, New Orleans goes in and plays uh, the Pacers. Pacers six-point home favorites. And the news out of New Orleans is that Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday are just going to start playing reduced minutes. So it's nice to see this start to happen before we even hit March uh, with just teams unabashedly saying we're just going to lose on purpose. Like, there's no – that's just what you're saying. They should do it. So it doesn't – it's always made sense to – in the Yeah, they're they're effectively mathematically eliminated. That just – for me, though, that just takes – you just can't play any Pelicans anymore. Like, that's the end of – short of – them davis just sitting out a game or holiday sitting out a game can you even is this just move all the pelicans completely off the table unless they all come like some of these guys come down to just minimum prices like i don't even know what you do with them as a team does that make sense well, like, that's I where you just start
2: you, you start by doing that and then you see if you know some value bubbles up to the surface but again this is a really dramatic shift in their approach and at least or at least so they've said uh you know coaches will say Our all manner mess. of things and yeah yeah you just never really know exactly what's going to happen but I think you take a wait and see approach because the other thing is too they're not a team with like that explosive third option that could really step in and put up huge numbers here. Like it's a lot of Darius Miller types, you know, these guys that um, you know other positions where they haven't totally made up their mind. So and again, bad matchup tonight with Indy. I don't think you need to to rush anything. A guy that might wind up having value in the near to midterm would be Kenrich Williams. Uh, yeah. But I don't think you need to do that tonight against Indy.
1: Yeah, that he's actually won. He's played pretty consistent minutes: 34, 32, 37, 37, 36. and those were all yeah, he's been games with Davis there. Uh, yeah, a couple double-digit rebound games in there, a couple double, a few double-digit uh, double point games in there. So mm-hmm. his price has come up too because he's just been yeah, consistently adequate, I guess you would say, from a fantasy right. perspective. Like he's not, you're not getting him at a value at this point on DraftKings at like fifty-five hundred or whatever. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. every single night it still seems like we're having trouble with power forward on FanDuel. Oh, he's not, is he not even a power forward on FanDuel anymore? I'm just looking in this. Right, they moved him to small forward, so whatever. I don't know. He's probably, he's 6,000 there. I don't think I really want to play him, a guy like him at 6,000, and this is what happens with these stupid teams that just can't figure things out, and now they just tank, and it makes, sort of just makes it not fun for the rest of the season. It just eliminates whole teams. Actually, from, I just don't like that from a basketball or DFS perspective, but what about the Pacers? They get a good matchup here. The New, New, me, New Orleans, New has not been good on defense the entire season. Sort of with or without Davis, the, they run at a decent pace. I audited these guys' minutes pretty correctly. I don't. <laughs> I I think that they just played so consistently without Old Depot at this point that you're really not getting any cheap stuff from them. They brought Wesley Matthews. He's in the starting lineup. He kind of just does what everyone in this spot does, which is shoot a couple threes and don't, doesn't do a lot else. I, is there something I'm missing here from the Pacers? I feel like they're all just too expensive at this point.
2: Yeah, I I kind of feel the same way. I mean, on paper, Wes Matt should be able to pay a $4,300 price tag on 30 minutes a game. It just hasn't happened recently, and I think we have a long enough track record of him now where he can just show up on a team and just kind of contentedly play a little defense, occasionally shoot if the ball bounces in his direction. But if you look at these guys, Collison, uh, Bojan, Wes Matthews, Miles Turner even, what you see are guys who are very consistently – slightly underperforming value (laughs) and I don't think again outside of the craziest best matchups in the world and maybe an injury thing it's just not where you want to settle in and I will say I'm starting to get nervous because now we are the full four games in and I haven't really felt good there's been like three total players that I felt even okay about
1: playing in cash games. Don't worry. We're going to get to the it game. it turns around from here. Okay. It's going to turn around right here because Detroit goes in and plays Atlanta. There we go. This is a 730 game. Detroit is a three and a half point favorite on the road. Hmm. Detroit is right now in the playoffs in the East. If the... I guess they must own a tiebreaker. They played, th- they played three less games than the Magic, and well, they're they were, a half
2: game up, right? Because they have one less win but two fewer losses.
1: Ex- right. So okay. So they are right. Okay. Yes, yeah. so I wasn't looking at a percentage. Um. Anyway, they're right now if the the playoffs ended. They would be in. They are playing to get there. So I'm confident at this point. Projecting max minutes specifically for just guys like Blake and Drummond. And do you think in this matchup against and we're gonna, there's some stuff that we can talk about on the Atlanta side too. But do you think? So far, I mean, we haven't gone through every single game yet, but does this strike you as just the right place to maybe just stack these two guys in cash? And judging on the matchup, just judging on what we've seen from Atlanta, and just judging on what we've seen from fantasy-wise, how these guys just basically dominate a, ma- a vast majority of what Detroit does. Would you feel comfortable just stacking these two in cash? Yeah, I mean, Blake looks
2: like a certifiable no-brainer uh, with my other power forward options that I'm looking at here tonight, and I think the or, uh, Drummond. It's just going to come down to if that's the right price point for that position. Like, I don't feel like at that price, I absolutely need to play him or I'm just throwing away the whole night. And it's a really good price and I would be more than happy to play him if it came down to it. Uh Drummond was just on an absolute tear prior to the All-Star break, uh topping 16 rebounds in four straight games. He He's like putting up huge defensive stats as well. He certainly seems highly motivated. So, uh, you know, the break maybe kills some of that momentum for him, but the Hawks are such a good matchup that it's really easy to feel good and, and really get your feet moving. So, yeah, I definitely like both of those pieces quite a bit.
1: Yeah, this is this is the exact situation that I'm looking to just be very bullish on their projections across the board. Like, if we, if we even if it took an extra— so this is one of those situations where even if it took an extra minute to get— I don't know, like go from Blake from 37 to 38 minutes, or Drummond to 35 to 36 minutes to get these guys are already pretty close to get them in lineups. There's some, it's a little different on FanDuel where you can only start one center, and there are a couple other center options we can discuss on DraftKings. At least right now, 9:40 in the morning. Oh, did it change? Uh, maybe something changed. I could have sworn before when I ran this, it was it was all Blake and Drummond, but maybe I have updated something that that's not done that. Anyway, I think that I, my guess is when we get near the end of this, we're going to see these guys. As just one popular plays, yeah, Blake's eighty nine hundred on DraftKings, and then they're gonna be popular plays, and for good reason because this is, it it's really nine thousand for Drummond on DraftKings. It's really hard to imagine sure. them not at least cresting toward value, right? Like maybe maybe they don't maybe you don't get the six x game out of both of them, but it's it's just almost inconceivable to think that they crush you. And also good news too is Atlanta has been a team that just has at times hung into games, hung in games. They have you know they beat the Lakers recently. They Play a very fast pace. They're able to score. They're terrible on defense. It's just a perfect matchup. The other guy to maybe consider too is Kennard. He, he moved into the starting lineup last game, took 10 shots, was fine ish. Um, but if you're just going to go sort of max minutes on a guy, I think that Kennard is probably close to a guy we can do that with. And then the Hawks, they are tough to project sometimes, but they're going to be without Kevin Herter tonight. And that opens up a lot of minutes. Like Herder was one of the he played like 35, 36 minutes a game. And I think if that if you knew right now I see some places projecting Bazemore to start and other places projecting um Bembry to start. I'm I'm personally am projecting Bembry to start, but would you feel comfortable maybe playing both these guys? Or are you just gonna maybe take a wait and see approach on who moves into the starting lineup? Because that could just be that could just mean a lot of minutes and small forward for the Hawks.
2: Yeah, no, but I need I need the information, I'm pretty sure. I, the Hawks are definitely a team that we've seen. It's happy to surprise you, right? <laughs> They'll yeah. do the thing that uh, that you don't expect. And Bembry in particular, like no one has done a better job recently of just completely disappearing in 20 minutes a game than DeAndre Bembry. Uh, 21 minutes against the Knicks, he managed 5 fantasy points. 19 against Orlando, he managed 7.7. 7. In his last three games, he's played, I just like stats like this, he's played 63 minutes and scored 10 points from the field mm-hmm. with two assists. So this is a man who is not involved in the offense when he's out there and uh you could still theoretically play him potentially because he can do a little bit of some other things but uh of those two i'd be more excited about playing Baysmore, and yeah Bembry. it would be more like i would almost be considering that potentially my drop position if uh if he lined up in my starting
1: lineup. Right now, just modest bumps in minutes for both Bazemore and Bembry. They're both in the top FanDuel lineups right now. This, this is early. I, I think things will shift. Yeah, to I'm not us, sure. but... I'm comfortable with that, but we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see just how. With the 7.30 start, the hope is after shoot-around, we have an idea of who is going to be starting. And that's famous last words because sometimes even the teams themselves don't know, especially when they're bad teams like Atlanta. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then discuss the rest of this slate.
0: Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. What if you can't make it to Oktoberfest this year? The Autobahn is on the Fritz. Your Freund Fritz is Kronk. Well, don't fret Fritz's Freund. Arby's is celebrating the season with new meat sandwiches. Beer braised meat. Beer cheese and mustard on hearty pretzel buns. Quick, grab your lederhosen and hop on the Autobahn to Arby's Dorf. Arby's, we have the meat at participating Arby's for a limited time.
1: All right, Minnesota goes in and plays the Knicks. Minnesota is getting pretty healthy now. They they are going to have just about everyone back. Teague was back and played a lot of minutes last game. Rose was back. They're getting Tyus Jones back. They did move Dario Saric into the starting lineup, and he's played a decent amount. This is a great matchup against the Knicks. Uh, and I guess Minnesota, you can say. Still might have pipe dreams about the playoffs, and it's looking pretty unrealistic that they'll get there. They're four and a half game, they're four games back from the Clippers right now, with, and they would have to leapfrog two other teams. So I don't think they're going to make it, and they're probably close enough that they can pay lip service to the amount of minutes that they're going to run their guys. Is that a fair statement when you're trying to project guys like Towns and Teague? Like uh, they're not, in a, it doesn't seem like they're going into the tank anytime soon. And this is a great matchup against the Knicks because you see running mm-hmm. some of these guys in lineups.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think again, you're you have to just look at. bunch of different factors when you're considering making a play like this. I think that Minnesota, they're not exactly the team that they've been historically, where Towns is just going to be out there for 37 to 40 minutes, regardless of how the game script goes. Uh, The prior to All-Star break game log is a little bit harrowing if you're going to be paying still, you know, not quite peak prices for him, but still pretty aggressive prices for him. So I think it's workable. I think the price on DraftKings is you know, it's it's just a little bit cheaper and that might be what winds up pushing it over the top. But uh yeah, the matchup with the Knicks is one of those ones you wanna target. So yeah, it's a it's a, com- it's a combined thing where, especially for towns where I'm a little bit concerned about the minutes and a little bit concerned about the price. But then if you flip it over to TIG, I have none of those concerns really. Like the, the situate, all things being equal, Teague was happily paying this price and really just kind of going off and playing the full minutes because they continue to use the point guard, the starting point guard that way. So I don't see the two plays as like exactly the same. But um,
1: yeah, I think I I like Teague a little bit more than Towns, but I could see playing both. Yeah, the only reason Teague might come down a little bit in our projection going forward is that Wiggins is back. And Wiggins had missed those two games with Deng starting. And so, I mean, I have Wiggins back into the lineup right now with 35 minutes. But the usage on Teague does go up when Wiggins is off the court and they are getting him back. That's my only little concern and I still think I'd feel comfortable playing Teague because it's the Knicks team. Knicks team is another one that's just a total and complete mess. I Like, Hazonia's back. I'm not sure it matters. Dotson started last game. Who really cares? Like, Mitchell Robinson came off the bench as a chalk play on a short slate. He stunk, basically. Um, Like, I just don't... Like What do you even do with the Knicks anymore? I, they, Knox didn't play any minutes. They're, they're a mess. They're, this is another team that just seems to me like a just total mess territory unless you see something I don't. No, not really.
2: I mean, I think, like you said, Knox, I think. So a lot of these guys will will continue to have upside that mm-hmm. you can get excited about for like big tournaments. They'll be pretty unpopular plays because uh, they've been generally pretty bad recently. But for cash games, you'd be crazy to
1: take any stab
2: here unless, again, we get some really significant news that you know one guy or another is going to wind up sitting here.
1: Yeah, and then we get the Clippers going and play Memphis. The cool. they move land they move there's there's something that maybe be said about this game. I'm not sure yet. They move Landry Schmidt into the starting lineup last game. I don't have a clear picture of what the Clippers want to do. Now they, this game ended up being a blowout. Uh they beat the Suns by 27. It's never been totally clear to me that the the Clippers want to win here because the trades they made suggest they don't. And they kind of just keep winning <laughs> and they're still in the playoffs. And I just, they, you know, they, again, they move Sham, Shamit into the starting lineup. They're starting the, the starters, no one played more than 24 minutes in that blowout. And then they just played, you know, even like Harold and green, Jermichael green played 25. I just don't even know where to land in these minutes. Cause they all of a sudden seem like a very deep team again. Like Jermichael green off the bench, Harold off the bench, Lou Williams off the bench. They have Garrett temple. They have Garrett green. temple that are now, um, do we just have to? Maybe it doesn't matter with a game against Memphis, but do we, we don't just need really to... want
2: a deep team against you know for DFS purposes. Deep is bad. <laughs> right. You know, the the deeper a team gets, the more minutes uncertainty you have. And while well, the Clippers are playing for something, that you know you'd like to see that that tends to lead to more normalized rotations. And certainly, I think nothing would make them happier than being the team that just uh, poked the Lakers out of contention when it was all said and done. But. Yeah, there's just a lot of cooks in this kitchen now, and none of these cooks are like particularly great in the first place. So I don't like at least from a DFS perspective. Um, so that yeah, would be think-
1: hilarious that they traded like two fifths of their starting lineup away at the trade deadline and still made the playoffs. I, again, I don't think that was their plan, but they just it compiled. Looks like that's some, where it's headed. I mean, that's you know. what I mean. They just they they're they're just kind of winning games still. So I think that. I think at this point, maybe they just say, "Hey, screw it." Maybe we are just good enough to just mm-hmm. be sort of exciting. We're not going to get a great draft pick anyway. We we stockpiled some of the young players like Jamichael Green and Shamit, who have even people like Garrett Temple too. He's not exactly young, but um, they they seem to have young guys that they can move forward with, and maybe they can just signal to other people, "Hey, look how good we are when we <laughs> when we just went with our young guys." Anyway, I think that maybe the Clippers end up going in that direction moving forward. Memphis side, Jonas Valanciunas is going to miss this game. He for personal reasons. Now, the reason I mention that is because he had been awesome off the bench for Memphis since coming off the trade, and then it had also spelled like Ivan Rab had started, but then yeah. not played any minutes. He played like 10 minutes the one game, and Valanciunas played it and came in and played all the minutes. I don't know if we want to reallocate some of those minutes back to Rab, back to guys like Jokim Noah, who still comes in off the bench and is pr- sort of pretty good from a fantasy perspective. Memphis is not a team that I re- all the time want to consider, and I feel like there may be something of value with these bigs. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think that's you're going to be in that wait and see mode. I think someone like Rab at 3,800 on Fanduel, if you knew that he was going to get the start,
1: would be a universal play. Well, um, no, but here's the thing: he 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 was starting those games, and he was not playing. It, like he, all these games where if you look at his game log. I'm oh, just, wow. For some reason, my the, mind just totally glossed over. Well, that. right, because if you look at his game log and <laughs> see sure 11 looks like minutes, he just was coming off the bench. Okay. No, he started these games. Ooh. Like I, so, this is this is why I'm saying I just don't yeah. know hmm. where to really land with him because it wasn't foul trouble. So the game against the Spurs, he played eleven minutes. Now he did have three fouls. He only played eleven minutes. He he. I don't think he was injured. He came and played the next game, and yeah, that, was like th- that was because that was because Noah came in and played eighteen minutes, and Valanciunas played it and came in and played twenty-one minutes, and that was. All their center minutes, and Jaron Jackson Jr. played 24 minutes. I, I just don't. This is what I mean. Like, what do you? Where do you set his minutes? I, I he starts. He played. Well, then the you said him Really conservatively, then. Yeah, that's. uh Yeah, you just. You but what's? Conser- but here's the other thing. What's conservative? Because the you said right 15 now minutes.
2: I, I, I think he. You look at him in that role, and you you play him. He's like the ideal guy that you put in as your drop on FanDuel on a night like tonight. Or it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like there's a lot of like really clear cut super cheap value and power forward is bad anyway, so you lock him in at power forward, assuming that he'll be your drop, understanding, though, that if he does play those 30 plus minutes, he absolutely could outscore, you know, if you wind up having to play like Bembry or Baysmore or one of those guys. Like when you're thinking about those drop guys on FanDuel, there's the the class of like pure punt, who cares, guaranteed this is gonna be my drop. And I think Rab would be an upgrade from that where you could say, yeah, he can score 25 minutes and be like a $5,000 player if uh or score 25 points and be a five thousand dollar player if everything goes correctly so i think that's the way you view him you don't view him as like oh here's just like one of my guys in my lineup that's safe and you know should i punt somewhere else in my opinion well it's,
1: it's hilarious too because at something like 21 minutes he's in all fan lines. like he's, he just is that good from a, a, a points per dollar perspective and 21 minutes i don't know, whatever we'll have to maybe discuss this one uh off the air when we move into all right let's let's move into the last two games here denver and Dallas go. Uh, D- Denver uh, goes into face Dallas as three and a half point road favorites. They are getting healthier now with Gary Harris back. It looks like they're going to move Paul Millsap permanently back into the starting lineup over Mason Plumlee. So um, Plumlee had been coming in as something of value play, but that's really gone now. Another team that just get as they get healthier makes it harder and harder to play them uh, from a fantasy perspective. It, it, I hate that. I feel like this is a broken record for the theme for this for this podcast, but that is just kind of where a lot of these teams land. They're just this is not a great matchup. None of these guys are particularly cheap. is just over 10000 Will Barton's over 5000 It gets worse with Harris around. Harris yep. is... I guess they, well I see Harris is coming back. I'm going to assume he started. I guess they had brought him at the off the bench at times. It doesn't matter to me though because it just kills Beasley and Harris. So it doesn't really matter. And then Jamal Murray takes a hit from usage perspective. The more time he shares the court with guys like Millsap and Harris. I, do I did I sum this up okay? I just I I feel like again it's a boring podcast when you say and this is another team with no value on but it. But I don't. Right? It assume, it just I've, heard, I've
2: heard people complain about that before, but I actually think it's the opposite. I think this is some of the most useful information you can know going into a slate like this because where people start making mistakes is they start basically feeling uneasy overly stacking a few different games yeah, sure. on big slates like you hear this all the time in our chat right it's like ooh we have four like who would the who would the team be tonight that people would complain about they would say like well, last night it was four oh, sixers just use that one just exactly four, right. it was, it was, oh we have right. four sixers we have three pistons tonight you know and they start to get all uneasy and then they just want to like spread it out a little bit and all of a sudden you talk to yourself playing into playing like a Will Barton with a 4.3x points per dollar multiplier and he just becomes a huge anchor. Actually, the games to avoid is oftentimes the only thing you really need to know in a lot of ways. (laughs) And and as soon as you know that, then you can construct a lineup out of the actual playable game. So yeah, there's just so many traps on these big slates, especially the ones, this is a pretty bad big slate, I will say overall. Yes. Um, But that can be, we can use that to our advantage. There's a lot of mistakes uh, just waiting for people to make and that can be
1: pretty exciting. All right. Well, you talked me back into it, buddy. Yeah, I, 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 we talked about that on the Twitch chat. I, I said, I think we, talked, we had that discussion, which was to say, oh, this actually isn't a 10-game slate. It's a four-game slate or something like that. Like, that's just the way to look at it because all the, we just eliminate all these other teams from a cash game perspective. GBP has, takes on a different uh, kind of mind of its own. But, okay, final game, Jazz. Go in and play the Thunder. Thunder three-and-a-half point home favorites here over Utah. Guys like Westbrook and George, even against the Jazz, are still kind of creeping in and around lineups for us right now. It's not a lock, and like, well, George's is just in Fanduel at eleven eight, which seems as like, wow, that's nuts, eleven eight against the Jazz. Game's got a decent total though, two twenty six and a half, and so it's not, and that's the third third highest of the day, um, with and, it, and the tightest spread of those games that are that are in that same range. Could you live with Paul George against the Jazz here? He's been amazing, so there's no there's no downside in his overall performance. I'm just wondering if the matchup has you a little spooked, possibly.
2: Yeah, the matchup does have me a little spooked. I still think, you know, the Jazz. It's funny, the Thunder in some ways are, you know, maybe a worse matchup than the Jazz even are, just because they play such good defense. Although they do play fast, which kind of helps. George, though, the minutes are just so incredibly consistent. The guy's playing 40 plus minutes a game. The Jazz are not as bad a matchup as they used to be. In uh, the days of yore, you know, when our fathers and grandfathers were playing DFS, Doug and um, the the Jazz were just routinely the worst matchup year in year out. They're basically league average now. I mean, they still play good defense, but uh, the pace is middle of the pack, where it used to be the slowest team too. So you don't want to target the Jazz by any means, but I don't think you need to avoid them at all costs. And one of the things that our dear listeners probably would have noticed by now is. There's a precious lack of really inspiring big money payoffs tonight, right? Like, yep. we haven't mentioned a single one of them outside of Andre Drummond as being anything even remotely exciting. And the other big money guys, uh, Jokic, probably too expensive for current opportunity. Uh, Westbrook on this very same team. Uh, Drummond, we mentioned. Towns. We talked about his issues. And then you're down in like the Kemba walker Doncic territory, and I, I don't think that's where you want to land either. So, uh, given that you'll probably want to spend up somewhere, there still is enough value on the slate to prioritize one expensive player. George definitely seems to fit that bill right now.
1: Yeah, um, and the minutes have been like he's, the minutes have been nuts. 41, 43, 41 yeah. over the last three games. He's taken, he's taken 15 and a half three-pointers per game in that stretch, which is just crazy. He's dropped four, over 45 points in two of them. His numbers are just like, that. look, they're cresting up toward that MVP level. He's going to be probably the odd man out between Harden and Giannis, and it's amazing that we're even talking about it, honestly, considering he plays with Westbrook, who's actually, I don't even mind Westbrook on this slate, too. I I think there's a chance that you see both of them crest up toward 40 minutes, and that, even with a matchup against the Jazz, makes them relevant. They are getting Jeremy Grant here, so that just moves guys like Patrick Patterson and Deontay Burton to a lesser degree into more limited roles, probably New Orleans Noel a little bit too. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started with our premium product. That's Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings and, and Yahoo, NBA, uh, NHL Optimal Lineups as well. Members Only Chat, where we're in there all day talking sports and specifically in the last you know 90 or so minutes leading into lineup lock, which are the most crucial, talking through all the different scenarios that are going get to you, get you ready for the DFS slate, which we'll be doing tonight. Uh, Buddy, enjoy your Friday of hoops. Talk to you later. Peace.
0: Fall is finally here and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out, hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only.